it's time for another uh, episode of Pats from the Past, our podcast. Matt Smith alongside Brian Worry, and we are pleased to be joined by Patriots Hall of Famer Troy Brown. Troy, how are you doing today? Doing awesome, man. How about you guys? Doing great. Doing awesome. great. Can't, good to see you. Yeah, good to see yeah, you. Good really to see good you, guys. I don't get um, to see you guys much anymore. Yeah, so. I know. That's, uh, that's too bad on our end. Um, <laughs> maybe not on your end. Um, let's see. Before we get started, Troy, why don't we tell fans who might not be aware, what are you up to these days? Well, these days I'm, I'm actually uh, – I'm down in coaching now, so I've uh, changed things up a little bit and decided to get back into the game, and that was the only way I could do it is to become a coach. Couldn't play anymore, so I just decided to become a coach and stay involved in the game and and be right up in the action that way. Do you like it? I love it. I love it. So, I mean, a lot of of good kids, a lot of interesting kids come through, and you get a chance to teach and share some of the things that uh, I was able to do as a player, some of the things I learned as a player, and – it's, it's actually pretty awesome to be able to share that with a lot of the players. How much of that were you able to do as a 12, 13, 14, 15-year veteran when young guys came in? Did you do a lot of that? Or yeah, were you so I, focused on your job? Yeah, there was a lot of it, but it was it was different because I wasn't exactly involved in the game planning and uh, you know behind-the-scenes stuff that went down. It was everything that I got from them, you know, or whatever, I, uh, from the coaching staff, and then helped, uh, you know uh, – Disperse that to the uh, to the to the rest of the players, and then kind of help those guys understand firsthand, you know, what it took to get ready to play. You know, when I was still playing as an older player, yeah. being able to pass that knowledge down to the younger players, especially receivers, you know, was uh, you know, it, it was uh, it was a good feeling too. But uh, this side of it's just completely different because now you got to teach the whole entire thing to them, and you know, so it's uh, it's a different type of fulfilling feeling for me. You you saw firsthand, Troy, as a player the hours that these guys need <laughs> to do the work. Yeah. What in your right mind went through your head to say, you know what, I, that seems like fun to me to work 18, 20-hour days. This, <laughs> this seems like a good idea to do. Like, well, Because most of the modern players see the hours that goes into coaching and say, no. Well, and this and ain't they've made me. enough money where they don't right. necessarily this have is, to do it. This yeah, ain't for yeah me. you got that right. right. You got that right. But, you know, it's one of those things I think maybe at some point in my career where I've said I, I, I would never do this. And then as the end starts to creep near and near, you start to give it some thought, <laughs> you know, and uh, you think about it. And, um, you know, yeah, you, you, you would uh, – I try to You put better love it, right? You better love it. You better love it. You better love this, this part of the game or you won't, you, you won't enjoy it, you know. So, and, uh, you know, thankfully for me, uh, at this point in my life, my, I got two grown kids. I got one young son. You know, that's a little easier to manage for me, you know. And I'm able to spend time with him like this time of year where we've had some off days. We've had uh, – we go home at a regular hour. So it's like just being a, a regular dad that's got a regular 9 to 5 this time of year. Now when the season comes around, it's a little different, you know. And you, you, you're lucky to get home to tuck him into bed, you know, and, and – you know, so you, you in the weekends, obviously, you know, you're playing and you're traveling maybe, whatever. But for home games, it's a little different. You get to spend a little time with them. You know, on Friday, you get out of here a little bit early. And then Saturday, you're able to, you know, come in here and then you got some time before you have to be to the hotel that night. So you get to do some things that with them that way. Go check out a basketball game with them or whatever they're doing on Saturday. You know, if they got basketball, flag football, whatever it is they're doing. That's great. So you, you got a little bit of time to do stuff during the season, but – you know, obviously, it's not the kind of time that you would love to spend with them during the season. But obviously, this this time of year, you know, you make up for it because you, you know, we get home, 
at a regular hour. Great. You know, and then, so it's not, not, not too bad. So Good. As I was told before I took the job is that you get uh, the same amount of time a teacher has off uh, is basically what a coach has off in the off season. So combined, not, not the whole summer like that, like right, two months right. out of school for the right. summer, but right. combined in the off season. So, so that was a little, little bit of advice I received from other coaches who was already here. That's good to know. Yeah. yeah. Well, okay. Let's. Um, you want any more coach, no, coaching that, questions? No, that, that's it. I mean, I think Troy is. You, if you were to talk to a 25 year old kid, and you ask him about Troy Brown, they'd say, "Oh yeah, Troy Brown, Hall of Famer. He's in the Patriots Hall of Fame. One of the great players in franchise history." My guess is that a 25 year old kid wouldn't know. Troy Brown was cut, right? Yeah. Once, twice. Yeah, I think I was cut twice. <laughs> so, no, I was. I know I was cut twice. Well, Parcells well, did it, and then I wouldn't say I was cut. Well, you didn't make the time. team. How about okay? I just wasn't re-signed. Yes, you know. Oh, and, oh, that's until, later. Yeah, until late. So I was. I guess I was cut once and then not re-signed. Because at, 198 at a particular pick. time, you know. So right, Patriots have a pretty yeah. good success with players in the 190s, as far as uh, <laughs> right. draft choices yeah. are concerned. I mean, eighth round, which doesn't mean a lot today because there's more than 198 right. picks. But there wasn't. There was only. You know, there's only seven rounds now. Right. 198th pick. So when you come in, you probably already feel like I'm behind the eight ball with a chance to make this roster, right? I mean, how, how that first camp? Did you feel like you did well enough to make the team? Well, when you don't know any better when you're coming in, it's like all I wanted was an opportunity. So first round would have been great. I could have got some Drew Bledsoe money. You know, that would have been awesome. <laughs> but uh, that didn't happen. But I got my foot in the door, so I was like, I'm fine. I'm going I'm gonna go ahead and make a name for myself. I didn't really understand the whole process of that, me being an eighth-round pick, meaning I was going to have less opportunities right. than somebody else. So until I really got here, and then I saw, like, how the play count was going, and then – Oh, you got the last two snaps of uh, team, and we get to watch it in. So uh, it's kind of when you st- I started figuring all that out. So, um, but you know, as as a young player, you know, you learn really quickly that uh, you got to learn to make the best of those situations and be ready to go. You know, for those two plays that you might get all day. Mm-hmm. And for me, I, w- I was able to make it happen and perform and. Uh, and put some good stuff out there that they could see. And then the key was is that being from a smaller school like Marshall, I had an opportunity to play special teams. I played defense there as well and uh, and did a lot of different things. So playing special teams was not, like, degrading to me. <laughs> right. So, like a lot of, you know, guys who come yeah. from Michigan or be on some Power 5 schools. Special now, teams. Special teams is kind of, <laughs> you know, they kind of looked down on that stuff back then. So, uh, and for me, it was just like an ch- opportunity to get out there and show what I could do and get a spot on the team. And that's what happened. So I was able to so I could cover kicks. I could return kicks. I could return punts. I could cover punts. I could hold up on the vice. Whatever you needed me to do, I could do it. So, and uh, that helped me make the team. I, I say, I had asked that previous question, Troy, because I think people, oh, Team Hall of Fame. He must have had a, this unbelievable career, which you did have a great career. But it wasn't like it started like that. Yeah. You had to work your ass off in order yeah. to get there. And I think – um, I, I want to ask you is how much of a factor do you think in coming to New England and being there when Drew first started, you know, you kind of immediately got that relationship going with Drew and you could see that you guys had a connection. Yeah. How helpful do you think it was for you from a staying power standpoint to know that he was in your corner? He's not picking the team. I'm not saying that, 
But do you think that that relationship was important to eventually getting on and staying on the team? Yeah, it was definitely important. You know, I remember coming here and as Drew, like in the, we came here in the off, well, during the summer, whatever it was, we started the off-season training and he actually gave me the keys to his, his Taurus. He had a, he had a white Taurus. He gave me the keys to it. <laughs> Just from doing, you know, being around him doing workouts and stuff, he was kind of generous like that. Of course, he had just bought a Porsche. He just, just bought <laughs> I was going to say, he had, just bought a, he had just bought a blue Porsche. Did he not he give had you this, that? He had this, whatever <laughs> no you want to call it. No keys no, for the Porsche? He didn't give Porsche? me the keys to that one, no. We didn't, that, that, it didn't go down like that, you know. So I, I wish. Yeah. I wish. But he gave me, you know, he gave me the keys to his his his, his dealership car that he had, you know, and uh, told me, hey, go, hey, do whatever you need to do in it, you know. And uh, so our friendship was, you know, there. And the trust was there, you know, even before we even set foot on the field. So just from off-season training and stuff like that. So and uh, and then being able to get on the field and show what I could do. He always tells a story about, you know, his dad was asking him about the receivers and how you know who's really good this and that. He said, "Well, we got some good guys, but this one guy, he's really good. You got to you got to see him, Dad. You know." So he always tells that story all the yeah. time about you know his first stories from training camp. And uh, who could play and who couldn't or whatever. Who, like who wearing number really six or something, right? You weren't, weren't you wearing number six? I or? was wearing number six. Yes, I yeah. was. Yeah, number six, man. And uh, <laughs> yeah, those were the good days, man. Those were the good days. So, and uh, did that help yeah. you from a confidence standpoint, Troy? To know that I mean, here's first round pick, first overall pick, first pick money, all those things that you're saying that that guy's in your corner. From a confidence standpoint, like, I would, I would you say knew you yes, could but I, I, I didn't know those conversations was going on behind the scenes with he and the coaches that he was fighting for me to be on the team, you know, as as, as guys that he liked, you know, and uh, you know, and as you know, back in those days, it was be, it was more like if you weren't from a big school, you were more than likely you were gonna get cut, you know, uh, whatever, however that like, uh, you know, they didn't think you could play or compete with these guys or whatever it was, so um, so I didn't know he was fighting that much for me behind the scenes until you know years later but when you so i'm always curious when a guy who especially a guy like you who, who now we we know what happened when you get cut and coach parcells calls you in the office assuming he did yeah do you get an indication when he's letting you go there that hey stay in shape we could come back to you here or is it you're just cut and you don't know no, i didn't get an indication no, okay. <laughs> not me not me, because I, I had a I had a poor. This is my second season. I was going into my second season in the preseason. I had a poor showing in Green Bay. I think it was the last preseason game of of that of that of the of the season that year. And I didn't I didn't play great. I had a guy I had the ball stripped from me and all this stuff, you know. And you know, and it was it just wasn't a good showing. So he called me in the office and said, I don't know, you know, what's going on with you, but we're gonna have to let you go. And there was no indication whatsoever about staying in shape, but we'll bring you back in a week, two weeks. You know, and I was out of football for nine weeks. I think it was nine weeks, eight or nine weeks. Did you I think was that was football. it? Huh? Did you think that was it, that, that your dreams yeah, were Yeah, I, I felt like that was it because I, I had a couple of visits uh, that I went on, and I was still working out back at Marshall, you know, catching punts or whatever, running, trying to stay in shape. And then it got to around, like, what, week six, seven, somewhere in there. I went in and I enrolled back in school. Uh, I started working at the, uh, at the at the boys and girls club there, you know, and um, and I said, well, you know, th this is what it is. I'll be back in school in January, and you know, it was just as soon as I was putting uh, putting the cleats up and getting ready to, you know, mm -hmm. look to the the next chapter of my life. 
I get a phone call uh, from Bobby Greer saying, uh, you're sending your plane ticket to come back, you know? And uh, so I said, okay, <laughs> I'll be back uh, first thing. Think about you this know? for a second. Troy Brown is talking about ball security issues that he had in preseason that led to his being released. If there's one thing to ever sum up about Troy Brown in his career that you would never even think about would be ball security. Because if the ball was anywhere in the area code, Troy was going to get his hands on it and catch it. Or if somebody else had his hands on it, i.e. Marlon McCree in San Diego, <laughs> he was going to get it out of his hands. Uh, well, I mean, just- How ironic is that, that, that ball security failed him but never failed you again for the re- that must have been a yeah. lesson that you said well if I'm going to get cut it ain't going to be because I fumbled the ball and that and that's exactly the attitude I took um uh, there was there was a number out there I think at some point I think I how many touches I had of the ball without fumbling at some point you know I'm not sure if Kevin Falk or James White or somebody surpassed that at some point but you know uh you know so it became a a a a major thing to me not to turn the football over so no matter what you do just don't turn it over you know, if you return it for one yard and don't turn it over, you still got a chance to score. If you return it for 50 yards down to the five and you fumble it and give it back to the other team, you know, which would you rather have, the 50 or the one? You know, you rather have the one-yard return so and possession of the football. So, and uh, you know, you kind of had to uh, adapt those attitudes to learn the ways of not just the NFL but of Bill Parcells and, and the way he coached the game and things that would get you beat as a football team, and that was one of the quickest ways to get yourself beat and cut, obviously, <laughs> so <laughs> is to not have the ball at the end of the play. So you come back you, you in 95. You start to carve out a little bit of a role, you know, mm-hmm. catching some passes. Obviously, 96, you have that amazing catch that everybody remembers in the season finale. Giants game. Lying on your back. Um, and then don't play in the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. Could you have played in the Super Bowl that year? I would like to say I could have played. You know, I knew I was injured, and it was just a matter of how long I could have held up was the major issue of uh, why I didn't play. And what was the injury? I or- had I had uh, hernias. Right. I didn't know oh. at the time. Oh. Okay. All I knew was that I had pain in that area and in my groins, and they didn't know exactly what it was. And so at that point, it was just like he – Bill just was like, you know, Parcells just said, I would love to, you know, I know it's killing you and crushing you. And I was sitting at the, at the breakfast table crying. I was looking at him like this, and I had tears in my eyes rolling down. And he said, I can't. Actually, he sent Johnny Parker over, <laughs> the strength coach, to tell yeah. me that I couldn't play because he didn't have the heart to tell me I couldn't, you know, that, that I wasn't going to be dressing for the game. You know, and I knew it all along because he didn't really – I didn't practice all week. You know, we had, we had that week here before, and it was just like things that I was doing in practice. I'd be good until I did this, and then there'd be a shooting pain up to my torso, mm. you know. And then I'd be good for a little while, and there'd be another shooting pain up my torso. And he just, you know, his, his you know reasoning was at the, at the end of the day, he just didn't know how long I was going to hold up in the game and then be down a, a body, right? you know, for having me in the game. I, so. I, I don't think it's a stretch to say New England fan folklore that – that decision, you know, you think about, okay, well, who's going to be the 53rd guy or the 45th guy in the Super Bowl? How big of a decision could that be? I think they're Patriot fans that say Hassan Graham started that game and was on special teams, and if it had been Troy Brown, there's no way that Howard would have returned that kick for a touchdown. I mean, 
that's how crazy some fans are, right? right? Who, knows? Who knows? I know. I, I've heard that a lot over right. the years. You right. Know? And I agreed. I would have made that tackle. <laughs> no doubt. No, maybe they would have double-team blocked you, though, because it was Troy Brown. Uh, possibly. Right. Possibly. Right. Yeah. So, but then the, over the next three years with Pete Carroll here, 97 to 99, you start to get a little more action. Terry Glenn injuries maybe help you out a little bit because you got more opportunities? Yeah. Uh, yeah, though Terry Glenn, his injuries, that did help me out a lot, being, being able to get on the field a little bit more. Because at that point in 97, now I had to reprove myself all over to a new mm-hmm. coaching staff. They had no idea who I was, you know, after four seasons under Bill Parcells. So, and that was a process in itself. And I think the biggest factor that helped me along the way was Ernie Zampezi coming in in uh, 97, 98, and him coming in and watching tape of the 96, 97 season and 96 seasons and stuff like that, and then saying he was basically like, and he told a story to me while he was smoking one of his cigarettes <laughs> in his velour sweatsuit. Yeah, with his and, pens. Uh, yeah, with his pens, and he <laughs> yeah. was you know, fidgeting around, he was just basically like, you know, I came in and I saw the tape, and I said... <laughs> I said, God, dog, who's that? That Terry Glenn? They said, no, that's Troy Brown. I said, well, I got to have that guy. <laughs> you know, so, so he was uh, so he was, he, he, he was the guy that ended up, uh, ended up saving my career under that coaching staff. You know, because at that point, they, were bringing, they brought in Tony Simmons, yeah. you know, who was an early second-round pick. Yeah. They brought in Brian Stabline and – at that particular time, gave him $3 million signing bonus, which was a lot of money at that particular sure, time yeah. for, you know, a third guy, third, fourth guy. You know, they, they just repaid – they just paid Vincent Brisby, you know, uh, a pretty decent contract. So – and uh, so it was looking like, man, you know. Uh, Who missed they, a big chunk of the season with a hamstring? Me? He missed a big chunk too with his hamstring, I think, in he 97. Missed, he had some hamstring injuries, yeah. so they were forced into, into playing me a lot there in 97. You know, because a lot of those guys were just banged up. So, and uh, again, you know, you learn, you make the you make the best of your opportunities when you get a chance to make them. And uh, so that ended up, you know, having me stick around a little bit longer. So, and then yeah. you got a new coaching staff, right? Right, and well, and a new coaching staff. So my words here, Troy. Um, I want to say that the official Troy Brown coming out party, Monday Night Football against Kansas City, two thousand, Bills first year. Uh huh. Charlie's first year back as offensive coordinator. Would you agree with that, number one? And do you think that maybe it, something clicked with Bill and Charlie where they said, you know what, this guy's he's been undervalued. Look at what we got here, you know? What are we yeah. doing? Let's get this kid the ball. I, I remember, well, I think it happened before then because Bill was here in 96. Yep. And, and um, I think one of the first things he did was he had Charlie call me. I was out in Kansas City on a visit. I was a free agent that year. I was out there on a visit, and uh, Charlie called and said that uh, we want to we want to sign you back, you know. And then I'm like, Girl, I'm out here on a visit in Kansas City right now, or whatever. He said, Well, we want to give you every opportunity to be a starting receiver in this league. And then I was like, Okay, I'll be back. <laughs> so that's <laughs> all I need to know. And you, you started know? that year because they weren't they weren't talking that way in Kansas City. It was like they wanted me to come in and basically. You know, fight, be whatever, fourth guy, third, fourth guy, maybe a punt returner or something, kick returner. And, you know, and he said those words to me like, you know, I, I'll be back on on the next flight then. And I got back and, uh, you know, Bill was basically like, you know, I, I, I saw you and how much trouble you gave my DBs when I was coaching here in 96. And, 
you know, thought you practiced really well and practiced hard and you're a good player. And then he had to coach against me mm-hmm. when he went to the Jets, you know, a couple of times a year. And he was like, you know, we had a hard time containing you and stopping you there. So, I mean, so we want we want to sign you back and give you a chance to be a be a starter here in the league. Mm. So, Was it more – did they talk to you about a role at that point? Was it was – it, like Wayne Corbett type role because they had, well, had so much Charlie, success. Charlie, Charlie was him. telling me I was a lot better than Wayne Corbett, you know, with the return ability. So I agree with that. Uh, I mean, that's yeah. a don't so, I mean, that, according to him, you know, so that's that's what he was saying to me, and I'm like, you know, well, I should be starting there because Wayne's Wayne was a starting receiver, in the right. league, you know, and did pretty well for himself, yep. you know. So and uh, you know, so according to him, that's what he was thinking. And, and a uh, small school guy, another Hofstra. small school guy, Hofstra. Yeah. So you know, I mean, so that was. Uh, that was the deal. So, I mean, um, so all I wanted was an opportunity. Don't promise me you'll give me a spot. Just give me a. Right. Just let me fight for it, you know? Right. Do you think then, Troy, so do you think people in football, outside of football, knew what the concept of a slot receiver was at that time? You know, I don't know because I, I, I don't remember really hearing the term as much as I did, you know, up until those days about the slot receiver. Mm-hmm. You know, I know you had like uh, – you had the fun bunch in Washington and those type of guys. You had uh, the guys in Houston, the run and shoot guys in, yep. uh, in in Atlanta. You know, so you had those guys. June Jones, June Jones. But you never really heard like the slot receiver guy. You just heard like the run and shoot, you know, right. and that type of stuff, and the fun bunch guys. And so, uh, so I think that really started becoming a term. You know, I guess around those, around those years. So I'm not really sure who started it all. If they really were, if they were using those terms back then, you know, I'm I'm not really sure where it all started at. You know, right. but it became a big a big thing. Right. Well, certainly to have not, a good slot receiver yeah. on your football team. I'm not the historian, but I mean, wouldn't you say from a Patriots standpoint that Troy's the first real slot receiver? Yeah. And look I, at how it look at how it's evolved since Troy. I mean, where it's become the, the three the three highest catches in Patriots history are right. slot receivers, yeah. right? And so it's now an integral part of the offense, isn't it? Yeah. Well, we had a lot of success running with with that with the slot receiver, so and it was it became something we were comfortable with and uh, able to grow it. And then West came in and took it to another level, and then Julian followed that up, and you know, and we got guys now that's just you know trying to fill those voids now, and so it it, it became a a very productive thing for us here in New England, uh, you know, over those years. So I, I was just glad to be a part of it, you know. I'm not sure exactly how it started, where it started, when it started, but you know, I was just happy to be a play my role in that part of uh, in that part of the game. If I could ask an X's and O's question related to that, is is it something where that in that position in this offense, where everything you do is maybe predicated on? what the defense does and you and the quarterback being on the same page. So if I, you know, if I'm covering you and I turn my shoulders this way, you're cutting that way and the quarterback reads that. It depends on what route you have called. Now, there's plays you got to call. There's plays called and then you got to run them, you know, and then you, it may be an option route that you may have. It may not be an option route that you have. You know, you just got to, you got to have a little bit of, a little bit of savvy in there when you're playing and a good feel for it. And you, and uh, you got to have a good relationship with your quarterback, you know, and so, I was able to grow with Drew. I was able to grow with Tom in those roles, and you just kind of learn each other. And I know you know what each other expect. He he expected certain things from me. I expected certain things from him, like not throwing me over the middle and getting my head knocked off. Hospital balls, right? And me not leading him into interceptions, right? So by my decisions, you know, based off the defense, so that type of stuff. But you know, so it was. uh, So you know, it, it yeah, you had to have a good relationship 
with their quarterback to be able to play. And that Deion Branch had a, he was pretty good. He could play all over the place as well too. So, but he was pretty good in there as well. How does that happen? Uh, Troy, how do you develop that kind of relationship? Because you mentioned it with Tom, and that I would say that's an understatement. I mean, certainly for those years, Tom's first years, he was dialed in on you, you know, and knew yeah. where you were, and and you were going to be. The, if it was third and six, and he knew you're going to get seven at least, yeah, every single time. How did that develop? Well, it just started with started with building trust, like I did with Drew. I had to build it with him as well. So, and it had to happen in the middle of the season with Tom because of what happened with Drew. And then Tom became the starter. But he was familiar with me, too, with the few reps that he did have with me in practice. You know, and he knew I could make plays. And 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 then, you know, kind of became comfortable with me that way. But it also took place in the offseason as well, too. You know, we, we were able – during those times, we were able to work all, all postseason. Sure. You know, and we could be in the bubble throwing. We could be in the in creating stuff. You know what I'm saying? And let's see how this looks. Let's see how that looks. You know, so and that was always that was that was a plus for us. You know, to be able to do that. You know, Drew was there, Tom was there, so it, it, it just it worked out worked out pretty well for us. You know, and uh, to be able to spend that kind of time together and, and get to know each other that way. And you know, they studied my body language, and I would you know they would tell me what they what they think and what they wanted, and then I knew, you know, from then not to do this, not to do that, when this look, and then make the right decision for them. You know, I think you know you mentioned Drew and Tom, so. And I think we have three Drew Bledsoe fans sitting in here, so I don't want. I want to make sure I'm clear on that. But when Drew got hurt, yeah, and Tom steps into that huddle in in week, well, let's say week three, his first start, the indie game. Yeah. What what did you? The team had struggled the first two weeks offensively. Three points against the Jets, a tough opener in Cincinnati that year. What was the difference? Why did it change when Tom came in? In, in from your perspective, obviously. Well, there was a lot. There was a lot going on that particular time too, as well. You know, and uh, you know, just just trying to find some footing and trying to find a rhythm. You know, and then you know we had nine eleven that happened, uh-huh. and then you know you got your quarterback that almost died in your locker room. You know, and having to you know get him to the hospital as soon as possible, and so there was a lot going on with that football team. There was rumors about firing Belichick and all this stuff. You know, he was on the, he was on the chopping blocks. And so it was a lot going on for our football team. So at that particular point, I think there was just a lot of behind the scenes meeting with, you know, guys having, you know, one-on-one meetings with each other and guys stepping up and saying their piece with each other. And we got to do this. We got to do that. So, you know, kind of soul searching as a football team. And then we just said, you know, we got to, we got to come out. We just got to play better football and uh, not turn the football over, you know. And you know, Tom came in and he showed a poise that you know I don't think anybody really expected him to show when he came in. And then he, his leadership skills were on display. Not that he was lighting the place up, but just some of his decision making, his confidence that he played with, you know, it just kind of permeated through everybody else. I remember you know? a conversation with you from back then, and you probably remember it, but it was about. The week or the day after the loss in Miami in September or early October, where Tom got up in the team meeting and addressed the team about the preparation the week before. Do you remember that? I don't quite remember that one, but you know, but there was a, there was a lot of those types of things going on, you know, in in the locker room and behind the scenes. You know that you know guys get up and did you just because it must have been hard piece, for a man. second year guy who hadn't played a game to lead a. a a group with that had a bunch of veterans too. I mean, was yeah, it- yeah. It, it, that that's a difficult thing to do for a lot of people. 
you know. But you know, you're the quarterback of the football team that you get you kinda get elevated to that spot. And not everybody can step up to the plate like that and, you know, speak their mind and, and you know, and put their stamp on on that leadership spot on the team and, and he was one of the guys that were able to do that. So a, a six round pick guy right. who was a backup to the backup, you know. So we didn't even know who the starting quarterback was gonna be really as players. You know, because that it was it was a Damian Hewitt. Yeah. You know, so that was that we thought. I mean, was the second team, second team, second string quarterback. You know, so we had no idea. You know, so and they, we named Tom, and that was it. And did that maybe and that's just, as players, you just put your head down, you keep playing. Right. right. <laughs> you know, and maybe that's how it played out in um in that year where you were saying a lot of things going on. You know, you you haven't really been able to find yourself. And when Bill finally said, "Hey, look, here's what we're doing." Tom's a quarterback. I know Drew's back, but we're going with Tom. Did that maybe just free everybody? Okay, now we know who it is. Let's go. That's it. You didn't, you didn't lose from that point. Yeah, on. you know, and 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 as players, you just you just you just keep playing. And that's one of the things that Bill talked about. You know, you guys just worry about playing, and we'll make all the other decisions out there. You just do your job. You know, and uh, that's what we did. And we just didn't really pay a lot of attention to, you know, what else, all the stuff that was going on outside of here and. You know about you know who's going to play, who's not going to play, and that type of stuff. And then throughout the course of the season, just staying focused. And I tell you what, man, the way Drew Blesso handled the situation was admirable in itself. You know, for sure. Hard. He allowed he allowed us to stay focused, yep. and do our job instead of trying to go to this guy's locker and say, "Man, what do you think about them doing this to me?" Uh, he didn't do any of that stuff, man. He just kept encouraging Tom and rooting him on. And Had to help that he liked the rest Tom, of his too. Team on. Right. <laughs> yeah. Troy, so. when you're talking with your kids and um, maybe your kids are going to ask you a question like, Dad, you know, was your favorite play in your career? You know, was there something that you look back and say, you know, and so I was going to focus in on the AFC Championship game in Pittsburgh. You know, would you prefer the punt return over, you know, the scoop in the lateral? Do you have a play where you look back and go, boy, if I had to pick one, this is the play that I remember. Uh, me not me not being a Pittsburgh fan as a kid. Any play I made against Pittsburgh was my greatest. <laughs> so, as a kid, so, but uh, <laughs> so then you love the AFC Championship. The AFC Championship game was 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 great. You know, so I mean, uh, picking the field goal up and lateral it backwards, returning the punt for a touchdown. Um, after after, just, after a sixty plus yard punt was nullified by a penalty. Yes, that was a, that was a big time punt. Was, I, I screwed that up too on the first punt because I didn't catch the ball on the sideline. I thought it was going out of bounds. And it, I think hit that hit that far from the sideline and then rolled like twenty yards down the side. Like, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Then they spotted so the ball I'm like, on the wrong oh, hash mark. Bill's gonna cuss me out on this one because I didn't, you know. And then I saw a flag and I was like, whew, man. But uh, you know, so they put they put the ball on the wrong hash. Right. And he was trying to get it over there, and he screwed up the punt. And, and you know what I remember about that play, right too, the is they the uh, the vice guys had the gunner blocked all the way back into the end zone. That's what happens. Yeah. That's what happens when you got to punt again. Those yeah. guys are tired, or they bring somebody off the sideline who's not as good as the first guy. So you don't want to get penalties on the punt team. So and uh, so and that's what happened on that one, man. They had him. He was in the end zone when I got to the end zone. Gerard Cherry. It was Lawyer Malloy. It was Ty Law. Ty Law had one guy pent up too somewhere in there. So, yeah, it, it did a good job. Uh, where's the uh, catch against the Rams in the Super Bowl? Where do you where do you rank that? Do you, uh, you rank that was it? that was that was high up there too. You know, um, put us in range for a field goal, and Wiggins gave us a few a few extra yards to make sure. You know, so that's just it was just a, a lot of plays. I think. Uh, a lot of the plays that I was able to share with my teammates, you know, like, you know, things like the stripping the ball from Marlon McCree, 
in, in San Diego that year. You know, I, I, I like plays, like more plays like that and special teams plays. You know, that kind of helped us get into position to win or win a football game, you know. Like I said, like a, the block kick in Pittsburgh was huge, you know. Uh, Brandon Mitchell getting his mm-hmm. paws up there yep. and betting that thing down. And, and then doing what we practiced, you know, for, for years. It was just scooping and scoring with the big guys on the field that can't catch you. You know, scooping and scoring. I was scooped it up, and I couldn't score, so I allowed it back to uh, Antoine Harris right there. That, you know, so and he took it in for the score. So that, it just plays like that. So there's a lot of team team coordination in that in that particular play, you know. So. And then, okay, in your last Super Bowl championship year, you obviously moved to the other side of the football. Can you elaborate for us how that went down? And Bill, if I know Bill, he probably referenced that you played defense at Marshall, but. Did he know you played defense at Marshall? I don't think he knew that. No. So I don't think he, I don't, at that particular time, I don't think he knew that. I, knew that. I mean, I've heard right. him talk about, you know, you, he thought you could match routes and you had, you know, being in the slot and having played that position. But how did it happen specifically for you? Like when they came to you, were you like, what? <laughs> I didn't, well, at, at first I didn't know how to take it. Was, it was Eric Mangini that came. I was sitting in front of my locker, minding my own business, getting ready for a training camp practice. You know, and he comes in with this little highlights of this is cover two, you got cover three, whatever it is, you know, and uh, are you playing defense today? You know, are you doing one-on-ones? You're doing one-on-ones and all this stuff. So, and uh, I'm like, looked at him like, seriously? And he was like, yeah, seriously. And I was just like, like all right, then, I, I'll give you the best that I got. <laughs> so <laughs> that's all I said to him. So and, uh, I continued to get dressed and uh, met him on the field and, with a different color shirt on, I was doing one on ones and 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 you know all the little drills they do to get warmed up. So it wasn't a, a discussion about so. it. You were just like, "Here's what you're doing." You said, "Okay, great." Yeah, I was like, "Yeah." I mean, did I, you think? I, what do you mean? I'm not playing wide receiver anymore. I give you the best that I got. I mean, I was I wasn't I wasn't afraid of that. I was just like, you know, I mean, we had at that time, you know, it was it was later in my career. We had we had good receivers on the team. We had David. David Givens, we had uh, Dion, Dion Branch. Yeah. I think David Patton was still Patton here. Patton was there, yeah. yep. You know, so so we had Bethel Johnson was here. So we had some some talent on the football team that would allow to give us some flexibility to go over and play on that side of the that ball, just at least at least for practice anyway. So <laughs> so yeah. Did you ever think? Well, did you ever think when you're practicing in training camp, like? You know, well, I get it. This is an emergency situation. They got to see what guys. Th- I didn't know is, what they is, would do. I, I, is, I had no idea what the plan was. But this will never happen. Like I'm never. I'm not going to play in a game. This is just want to. I'm not going to be covering this was, this was early, in the Super Bowl. We still we still had 10, 11 receivers on the roster. Right. It, was, it wasn't like this was late in training camp or something. You know, this was like right in the heart of, heart of camp. So, <laughs> and so I didn't know. The roster wasn't pared down yet, so I had no idea what was what was on Bill's mind, you know, what he was thinking at that particular time. So the more just, you can uh, do, the more you can do. The more you can do, the more you can do. <laughs> but it wasn't pretty. I mean, I'm telling you, what the first that first practice, man. Woo. <laughs> so, so did you end up um, talking trash with Drew Bledsoe after you after you intercepted him? Uh I, I didn't. I didn't really talk any trash. It was it was one of those things where I just uh, it was uh, like just just a sweet moment and I was celebrating and jumping in Teddy's arms you know that stuff and like so happy I got a pick <laughs> and then it set in that I just picked off Drew Bledsoe you know and I was like oh man so how do I 
how do I handle this one after the game, you know, <laughs> and all that stuff. So it was like, you know, and I just I didn't really feel bad, but I just like felt like this is just too awkward, man. Well, in, in the Hall of Fame, Coach does the breakdowns, the Bellistrator, we call it. And that's one of the plays he did. And I love his line at the end. Yeah, Troy ca- caught a lot of passes from Drew Bledsoe over the years. And he got this one on defense or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, mean, I mean, it was going back a couple of weeks, though. You know, this is before the, the Buffalo game when I think it's Asante that went down in St. Louis yeah. when you guys are playing the Rams. Yep. Yeah. And that's your first time playing. Like, all of a sudden, somebody's, I don't know if it's Eric, I don't know who was saying, all right, Troy, you're up. Like, what was going through your mind then? Like, oh, I'm actually going in a game. And that the mic'd up audio yeah. from the Rams sideline, they got Troy Brown in there. Right. It was. <laughs> I'm telling you what, and I didn't know all that, like, you know, Bill, like, they go through all this stuff, you know, and found out later that, you know, he was hoping that at least they would get to the second half, the third, fourth quarter, something before I had to go in and play. It was two plays, two right. plays into the game. Right. And it was like, all right, Troy, you got you to gotta go in. <laughs> so, and, you and, ca- and it was against the Rams of all people. Absolutely. Right. You know, and they were still a very talented football team. They didn't have Kurt, but they had – you know, it was a it was a trick. Bulger, Mark Bulger, I Mark, think was, was a yeah. Mark Bulger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He didn't have the arm strength, right? Because you know, I got beat one time pretty bad. You know, and he couldn't get the ball out there to him. But uh, you know, it was uh, well, you caught a touchdown. It was pass a scary. From Adam it was, I mean, you, even even the backs were good pass catchers. Marshall Falk was a right. you know, right? Yeah. So they had across the board, you know, four or five guys that can come in and catch passes for him. And in the back, it was really good too. Right. So yeah, so it was a lot of pressure. Scary situation to be in at that particular time. You know, as a guy that just uh, hadn't played defense in ten years, eleven years, whatever, whatever it was, you know, and uh, amazing, you know. So you, we we got out of that game, you know, unscathed, and you, know, you just kind of start relaxing after that, and just like, hey, if I got to play, I got to play. Was that it is what it is? Is that kind of the attitude? And and you touched upon it maybe a second earlier with Brian, but is that maybe the attitude of those Patriot teams back then, Troy? Whatever it takes. Whatever Rabel, it takes, man. Rabel, if you've you got to play, line up at tight end, you're playing tight end. Richard Seymour, fullback, you're blocking at fullback. Whatever, that's what you have to do. Whatever it takes, man. Guys, it's just played. I know for me, it was just, I just want to play football. You know, I don't care if you call me a wide receiver, you call me a slot wide receiver, you call me an outside wide receiver, you call me a punt returner. I just wanted to play ball, you know, and, and that was it. You know, so you, you know, and I signed up, you know, I, whatever you sign me up as. Uh, you need me to do or need me to play, that's that's what I do. You know, okay, I so help my team win the games. So would you play the last play in Miami differently that year when that was the game that Brady was falling down and threw an interception at the end, and they they were two and twelve, and I think they the Monday night game. Oh, they, Monday night game. Yeah, they they scored at the last yeah, minute. I, would, I think I would, you were I playing, playing different. I would look back for the ball. <laughs> I would look back for it, you know. So as. And I, as I learned, you know, as the guys told me, it happens to all of us. Oh, of course. You got to be a DB now. You got to forget quickly. And that's what I did. So forgot quickly. And I remember hearing all the stuff. Oh, they got a weak spot in the defense. They got a weak spot in the defense. You know, and it's like Bill kept me out there. <laughs> so and it's, but you know, but that happens. DB, you play DB, you and you DB. covered you Terrell Owens in the Super Bowl on some plays. I mean, we're not talking about like they they probably said, oh, we're going to get To on Troy if we can, and. You know, yeah. he, he had some big plays in that game, but not on you. Yeah, well, not on me. Neither did uh, the other knucklehead there either. That, you Freddie, know. Mitchell? Freddie Mitchell? Freddie Mitchell. Fred yeah. X. So, yeah. <laughs> Freddie Mitchell, man. He was a. Bill Belichick after the game in Sports Illustrated dude. quoted saying, Freddie Mitchell stinks. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he ever played another game in the NFL. <laughs> um, I don't think so either. 
you know, I don't Tro- think so either. Troy, we're talking about you know the road to get where you got, and then the success. And people see all the success that you had. Was there ever a time, you know, after being cut, and well, what can I do? And now it's a new coach, and well, now it's a new administration. Was there ever a time where you allowed yourself to feel comfortable, like, nope, I made the team. Not to that point. Not after that. So. And that always was, drove you. It was always a feeling of looking around the corner, especially in the old stadium, and looking around the corner to see what's in your locker. I, you and I, I tell people that all and the time. So it just it becomes it, it became like second nature to me to always check before I walk completely into the room. Don't you think yeah. that keeps you on your toes? I mean, I, I tell yeah, my kids, it does. I tell my kids stories like a, that, like like. Don't ever think you've got it. Like even when you think you got it, yeah. your head better be on a swivel, man. No doubt, it's it's not a not a great feeling to have something that you worked hard for, and then you lose it, uh, you get fired from it. It's not a great feeling, and uh, and it's something that it was a feeling I never wanted to feel again. Of course, I did at some point, but it wasn't going to be because. I had the kind of off season that I had. I, I didn't. I felt comfortable because I felt comfortable after my first year. I'd made it. I was an NFL player. I was an eighth round pick, number one ninety eight. I was comfortable with with uh, being able to put that on my resume at that particular time. You know, I'm an NFL player, and that was I was good with that. You know, so you you and as a young player, I was like I tell a lot of these young guys too when they come in here now. I was like. Don't be that guy. And then I finished up the story with that. I was that guy that, you know, I went back to Marshall. I partied. You know, I drank. You know, I came in I not particularly in the best shape that I should have been in. And it cost me. So, and I'm like, don't be that guy. Don't be that guy. Because I was, you know, not that I didn't go out or anything when I was at Marshall. But I was not a big drinker, you know, and I wasn't all those things, you know, and I wasn't, you know, partying. But, you know, I, that's what I I kind of turned into for a little while, you know, because I, I had made it, you know. So I had made it, you know, big time. My dream is complete. I'm in the NFL and, you know, and I just never wanted to feel that way ever again. And, and feeling like, not that they took it from me, but I gave it away, you know. So, well, well Troy, I, 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 yeah. I, I talk to kids – we do a lot of virtual field trips right now, especially. And, and so I'll get a Q&A from the kids, and they'll say, inevitably ask, who's your favorite player? And I always bring you up. And I always quote that, that because you said that to me years ago. You said, I just come in every day and make sure my stuff is still in my locker. And I use that example with the kids because I say, this guy never took a day in the NFL for granted. He caught 101 balls and still knew that, job security was an issue and worked every day like it was his last. And I use that as an example. So I think it's an inspiring story. Yeah, no doubt, man. It's, it is it is the one thing you should never, ever get comfortable with, no matter what you do. You know, no matter how great a season you had or how great a, you know, one thing Parcells always says, you're, you're only good as your last game, you know, so, and uh, or your last play. And whatever that was, that's what they're going to remember you by. You know, so and uh, and it was it was a it was a it was a great quote from him, and it and it stays true to this day. Last one for me, then Troy would be: Is that message? Can you see that that message would resonate with a Jacoby Myers 
or with a Gunnar Oshevsky, somebody like that who they're not a first-round pick. You know, there's not a lot of money attached to it. But if you do work, if you do what these coaches are trying to tell you to do, you know, they don't care where you were drafted. They don't care how you got in the door. There's an opportunity here. And maybe, like what I did, is it just just don't ever take anything for granted. Do you think that that can work with the younger player today? Well, I, no doubt. I mean, I, I think there's still a, you know, still the same type of people you have back then, too, because there's some people that heard it then, and there's some people that hear it now. There were some people who didn't hear it then, and there's some people that don't hear it now, you know. And the ones who get it and get it the fastest are the ones who are going to survive the longest in this league, you know. And that's just the way it is, you know what I'm saying? So it could be here, it could be anywhere, you know. So, But those are the ones that are going to have a, a, a decent career in this league is the ones who get it the fastest. So, and if you if you are those guys that just kind of uh, slap it out there on a regular basis, you know, and it's gonna catch up to you. It's gonna catch up to you sooner or later, and then you see all the guys, the Troy Browns, or the Wes Welkers, or the Danny Amendolas, or the you know all those guys that are catch up to you in a heartbeat in this league. So, you know, and that's just the way it goes, you know, because. What's more important to a coach is uh, he, he needs good players, but that coach too needs job security too. So, so he's got to he's got to put some good players on the field, you know, to keep his job. And he's got to depend. If that's on an eighth round pick. If that's a free agent, that's not playing somebody else, and that's just the way it is. My last question, Matt asked you about favorite plays. Is there just something in general that when you look back on your career that you're most proud of? Plays, I play? No, no, he asked you about the plays. I'm just saying just in general. Like if you look back, like maybe your legacy or what, what are you most proud of that you accomplished as a player? Oh, man. There's a lot, a lot to be thankful for and, and, and be grateful for that happened uh, throughout the course of my career. Getting cut was one of them. Was, I'm thankful for that moment, hmm. you know, because that, that opened my eyes to a lot of stuff. You know, uh, being able to play defense and and play that important role, and and not because it was something to show off, you know, uh, that you could do to, you know, you know, kind of slap it out there and say I got an offensive guy playing defense. You know, it was just we needed we needed somebody to go in and play. You know, your football team, my football team needed me. You know, and and was able to step up and then be able to hold your own. I had a lot of support, you know, from a lot of guys on that side of the ball when I was doing it. So, uh, but being able to step in and do that, you know, I sometimes I always just feel like I, I, I saved somebody's job. See, somebody didn't need to get cut for me to go do that, for them to bring in somebody else, you know. So those kinds of moments like that, you know, are things that I'm kind of the most proud of. And obviously being able to, you know, win three Super Bowls in those moments, uh, those are those are great moments, man. That I always think about, and uh, that I'm very proud of, that uh, and things that we were able to accomplish, you know, as as a football team. So, and uh, so uh, I don't know if that's a, is that enough things sure. to list right it's there. Yeah, yeah. honey, you kidding me? That's those are those are things that and, are, and are to finish most, it with a red jacket. Most important to me, so right. you know, yeah. And yeah. to finish it with a red jacket. I mean, I finished it with a red jacket. You know, thankful cool. to you know to the fans and. 
people that voted out there. And uh, what did they count as 100%? Is it 100% fans? Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, you know, that's, you know, pretty, pretty impressive, you know, to have that many people like the way you played the game. So, well, you gave him a reason to like it, Troy. You left everything on in the field. Uh, one of the, one of the most decorated Patriot players of all time, uh, now a coach with the team, all under one roof. How great is that? That Troy Brown has spent his professional career today as a New England Patriot. No thank you, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, us. guys, for having me. Greatly appreciate it. Yes, sir. Thank you for downloading this podcast. Subscribe on Apple, Google Play, and everywhere else you listen. Like the show? Please rate and review us. Listener comments and ratings help keep us high in the podcast rankings so new listeners can find us. Be sure to check Patriots.com for more news and more podcasts.